welcome to The Late Show on Sanctuary First. I'm Albert Bogle and I'm joined today by my colleague Laura Dagen. Hello everyone. To... Go for it, yeah. Yeah, hello everyone. <laughs> and yeah, we are the Church of Scotland's online worshipping community. And we are touching a touching place for people who don't go to church but seek to live church in their daily lives. And our podcasts are open-hearted and honest and sometimes irreverent, but we hope always respectful. Sometimes we find ourselves in a hilarious mood only to have hilarity silenced by the moving presence of the Holy Spirit among us. So tonight we're going to be hopefully frivolous, irreverent, and also holy, but also open to something of God's Spirit working among us. So, Laura, are you excited and honoured to be here tonight? Oh, I am. I am very excited um, about tonight. I'm really excited about our guest that's joining us. And I think this conversation could um, you know, really go really, you know, really deep and really wide and, and really get people thinking. Um, so I think you should introduce our guest, Albert. Yeah, you know, people are building it up here. Yeah, they're building it up, you see. So a, hu- a huge welcome to Jeff Vanderstilt, who's coming in to us from the Christian ministry entitled Saturate. And that's a ministry with a simple focus. I think it's a simple focus. And looking at your website, Jeff, simply this, you, you want, to saturate the world with the fullness of God. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's good to be with you guys. That that actual vision comes from Habakkuk, where the prophet said, there'll be a day when the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for being with us. And where are you coming in from? Where are you, where are you, where are you based? I'm in Seattle. Yeah, Seattle, Washington. So great. So for the first time this year, Sanctuary First is heading up to the Refuel Festival in Gordon Castle Estate. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, you've been there before, Laura, but I haven't. And this year, I believe uh, you, Jeff, are one of the keynote speakers. I am. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Going to bring my whole family, too. So first time ever in Scotland. Can't wait. Oh, wonderful. And you, are you going to wear a kilt and get yourself all kilted up? I was told that I'll have to, so I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Don't believe that at all. Don't believe that at all, Jeff. Okay. <laughs> you're okay. You don't need a kilt. Oh. All right. Oh, so you're becoming to such a beautiful part of the country, but also as well, like Refuel is always full of people who really are on fire, you know, for the Lord. So... Uh, you're just going to have such an exciting blessing. Um, and actually, he's going to be really excited and blessed by you as well. Um, so can I just ask, Jeff? I'm like really fascinated about um, Saturday. And I'm wondering, um, is, is that itself a church? Um, or is this like a, like a, wider, um, like a wider organization? Yeah, it's not itself a church, but its goal is to help churches uh, of all kinds, all expressions, unite together in cities or regions for the sake of gospel saturation. And the, the way we describe that is we want, you know, Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would be one. 
and it would be through our unity that the world would know that the Father sent the Son. And so we, we are absolutely convinced that one of the most powerful displays of what God is actually like as one God in three persons is when we, the church, are operating as one body in a place, loving that place together, loving one another uh, in mm-hmm. profound ways, and not just in an event-based uh, form, but in all of life. And so we exist to come alongside leaders of uh, not just churches, but not-for-profits and business and civic leaders coming together to say, we all are the, the body of Christ in a city. Let's love one another. Let's be united together. Let's live in such a way that the entire region we live in has daily opportunities to meet Jesus in word and deed through his people on mission every day and everywhere. Wow. I think we could have a great discussion tonight about unity because it seems to me a, a very, as you said, a biblical, a biblical, almost the, the prayer of our Lord that he prays that we might be one as he is one with the Father, that, that unity. So I think we could begin to get into a whole interesting area because it, it means then that I've got to be willing to draw alongside other Christian brothers and sisters who I might not see eye to eye with, but love them like members of a family. <laughs> I was just thinking, absolutely, Jeff, in our families, do you have no-go areas where you don't, topics <laughs> you don't talk about? Because you know, it's, it's going to cause division in the family. Yeah, I mean, the, the nature of who, what God brought about in the work of Jesus is that he brought, he tore down any wall of hostility that would keep us from being together. And we see that in the very beginning of the early church, that even Paul has to eventually confront the Galatians because they're creating a division around a particular practice. And the Judaizers, as well as the new Christians, were not able to be together. And Paul actually has to confront the apostle Peter to his face because he's not willing to eat with these people. And he basically says, you are walking in a way that's not in line with the truth of the gospel, Peter. So you're undermining the very nature of the message of reconciliation by not being reconciled. And so we tell a lie about God because we, we tell the world God himself is divided because we're supposed to be a picture of what God's like. So theologically, we're telling a lie. And then missiologically, the very nature of why Jesus came was to make one, one body out of many nations people that have very different ideas about a lot of things. And so the church is meant to be the display to the world of not only the nature of God, but the outcome of the gospel. And so when we don't live it, we're telling a lie about God and we're telling a lie about the very central message that we preach, which is that he came to reconcile us all through the work of Jesus Christ. It's such a profound message, isn't it? That this, and I think Paul speaks of this, doesn't it? In Ephesians, that great, that great epistle in Ephesians, where he talks about that that everything will be unified in in Jesus in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we need it's it's not an easy message to proclaim, brother. You no, know? it's not because, because we're living we have in to an die. Age. It's not easy well, because everyone's you know there's there's. We're so many divided into so many denominations and parties. I know, but even within actually denominations, it's not just like the denominations that, you know, different, they're different. I think even within the denominations, we're split off and separate from each other, you know, divided by theology or, 
you know, oh, well, we want to, we're, we're bigger and our building over here and, no, we don't want to join with you. And, uh, <coughs> yeah, it's, it's so sad because uh, we, 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 if we as Christians can't be together, how in the world are we going to invite people who don't even believe what we believe to come into our homes or be a part of our lives? How are we going to love those who don't believe what we believe foundationally when we can't love those who believe what we believe foundationally, even though we have differences on the secondary or tertiary issues. You, you, we almost need to get all of us who are in denominations are going to, who, who, who worship regularly in a building under a denomination. We really need to look at what we're promoting and what we're sustaining and asking ourselves, is this really the way forward as we, as, as we've all coming out of COVID and we're going into a whole new area because congregations are dwindled, have dropped down sizably. And, you know, you're talking about, we're talking about all these, you know, the different theological views and <coughs> divided so many people in the church that there are people who love Jesus and they've just stopped going to local congregations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we wonder why. And it's because that they don't want to get caught up in all the politics of church. Yeah. And so we yeah, must find a way in which we start helping people to live this life of grace, and it's and it's not easy. Oh, no. I was wondering, Jeff, how do you Sam, how do you actually facilitate this? You know, so how do you get people on board with this message? And do do you have workshops? Do you have classes? Is it something that you just live? Yeah, it's a good question. I think to, to before I answer that, I think part of it was that we lived it by example, like we did the thing I'm talking about. So when we started our first church in the Seattle area back in 2003, the goal was how do we help people in every neighborhood, in every workplace, and in every school, uh, if they're following Jesus, learn how to be together on mission in those spaces. So instead of thinking that we're supposed to go to different buildings on Sunday, it's like you live in the same neighborhood. Why not love that neighborhood together? Even if you go to different buildings on Sunday, be on mission together in that neighborhood all week long or in that workplace or in that school. And so we just started calling people to do that, train them how to be basically ministers of the gospel through how we eat together and serve together and, and share our lives together and talk about Jesus together. And that just grew like crazy. I mean, people were hungry for that kind of community on mission in everyday life. And as that grew, we just started helping others. We, we've trained almost 5,000 leaders from over 30 countries and how to just be a, a normal everyday person on mission in everyday life. And some of that's, they would come live with us for a while or we would go be with them for a while and give them the training, but they had to meet people who were really doing it. Cause it's one thing to hear about it. It's another thing to get to be with people who are doing the very thing we're talking about. And then as that grew, that's when we decided to start saturate. That's the nonprofit that I lead because we realized sometimes you need um, like almost a prophetic voice to come into a city and gather everybody together and say, let's take you back to John 17 and what Jesus prayed and let's give you some, you know, ways to get there. And we just basically say, you know, we're going to unite around five things. Um, and this is just coming from Acts 13 and 14, which the Apostle Paul did when he went into a city. And that is that we're going to collaborate around prayer because we know that if we will together pray in with one heart and one mind and one voice, 
the Spirit's going to be at work and do remarkable things. And that's mm-hmm. what he did in Acts 2 and 4 and all the way through. So we're going to unite around prayer. We're going to unite around making disciples. So like in my own context in Seattle, we have business leaders who are now saying, let's make sure every neighborhood by, in, by 10 years from now has a gospel community on mission in all of Seattle. Like that's their, their goal. And these are business leaders leading this, not just church leaders. So it's really beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. So making disciples in everyday life. Third, making sure that we help leaders get healthy. Because one of the reasons why people don't do this is because our egos are broken. Like we, we've made it all about us. And it's like, if we don't get emotionally healthy, then it then we lead church for our own ego and for our own sense of self-esteem instead of going like, no, be healthy leaders who love Jesus and it's, it's enough to give him the glory. Um, so then fourth, then serve the city together. So what are the real needs of the city? Serve it in tangible ways because we'll, we can collaborate around caring for the poor. We can collaborate around justice when there's been injustice. And then lastly, keep starting new fresh works uh, of gospel uh, mission in as many unique expressions as you can possibly imagine. And the more that we do all of that together, the more we get united. We, we, we can't be united around our unique uh, theology only. We've got to get united around the mission of Jesus and those key elements that are going to lead to gospel saturation in a city. It's um, almost like you're talking about a network. You're talking about absolutely creating yep. a network. And within this network are, are Christian people and people who don't know yet that they are Christians, but, but the spirit of God is working in their lives and a, and and it's it's this connecting because they're doing good work in the community and you're drawing alongside them and saying, you, what you're doing is great. Can we can we join in with you? You know, and and we we start sharing and start seeing where God's working. That networking idea, I think, is such a powerful. I, I think that's what's come to me as you describe it. Yeah, and that's actually what we're doing is we're trying to we we basically say we're here to start or strengthen city networks for the sake of gospel saturation. And people are in those networks, some who believe and some who don't, but they get to meet Jesus along the way. Uh, do you know that I, that's so powerful because I think um, people, like especially like people within the church, I think, are, and, and I'm talking about the lay people, not so much the leaders, you know, because there's so many leaders are like talking about, oh, I'm trying to encourage, you know, I'm trying to like, you know, encourage discipleship. But I think a lot of people are a wee bit frightened when they hear the word discipleship and they, they think it's going to be difficult. And I know myself, mm. I'm always telling, like, you know, I'm always going on about, oh, we need to share, we need to tell everybody about Jesus, we need to share our testimony. And I'm like, they must be fed up hearing me going on about this. But again, I think people are worried about, well, how do I do this? How do I share this? You know, will people will people laugh at me or will they shout at me or whatever? And so actually to see an action in everyday life is so empowering. Absolutely. Yeah. For people begin to say, look, just let Jesus, let the Spirit of God work in the way you are, the person that you are, uniquely yeah. called by God, you know, it, to, to affirm that in people's lives. And I think one of the things in my ministry over the years I began to realize too is that too often we're running programs that we don't need to run. If we sent our people into the programs that people are running in the community and help them, we would then become the salt and the light in the community. 
and be and be the very support and help that they need. Yes, that's actually what for what Peter says in First Peter, like we're to live our lives amongst people who don't believe in such a way that they would glorify God uh, for the good lives we're living. And then later he says, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that's in you. And I think what Peter is saying is, if you live your life in such a way that it doesn't make sense apart from Jesus, then you're going to have an opportunity to explain how Jesus has changed your life to lead you to live the way you do. You know, one of the things too that I noticed over the years too is to, when you're short of volunteers from the church to advertise locally to the community, you know, can you come and help us? And we used to get people coming in from the community who didn't go to church, but started to come to help in the dementia program or to help in the children's bounce higher program and mm -hmm. come as volunteers. But you know what? If you come into the honeypot, You've got to taste the honey, haven't you? And, you know, and, and, and the church needs to be like a colony of heaven. Yeah. You know, when you come in, you go, hey, this is a kingdom of, this is good. I like being here. Yes. And, and, and they're meeting Christ in us, isn't it? So That's, that's right. Part of, it seems to me this is a discussion that you're opening up for us to say, if you're doing this, this is God at work in your, in your ministry. Because yes. it's not you're not trying to give a program. You're just saying to people, look what look what you're doing. And this is if you do it this way, it's simple. Yeah, we just tell everybody your the program is your life. That's mm -hmm. it. Yeah. That's the program. Like if you'll just live your life in a way that is surrendered to Jesus as a unique gift to the place He's given you, ready to serve as He leads you. You're going to have plenty of opportunities to give Jesus the, the recognition he deserves when people are wondering, why do you love the way you do? Why do you open your home the way you do? Why do you share table the way you do? Why do you listen like you do? Like, it's just, Paul said, the goal of our instruction is love. And I think if we, if we learn how to love people well, our lives are enough. Like everyone who's listening or watching, it's like who God made you to be was intentional for the moment and place he put you right now, today. I know. And and the thing is this, when, we, when when God isn't asking us, are you a Presbyterian or are you a Baptist? <laughs> you know, no, he's not. He's, you know, and we've put ourselves in these boxes, in these straitjackets, mm -hmm. and leaders do it as well. Ministers do it. I've noticed over the years, ministers can, we play to the gallery. Do you know, mm -hmm. there, can be, there can be a community that you like, or there can be a minister that you like or a few ministers you like. You think, I'd like to be like them. And so you start mimicking them and you start, and if they have ministers fraternals, you go along and then you start, you start thinking like them. And, and you're ending up becoming a clone of someone else. Yeah. And that's where actually I think healthy leadership is um, something that really needs to be cultivated and encouraged um you know because you know you've got to, to you know because it's like i think as well it can be it can be isolating you know but also there's that i well they're doing that so maybe i better do that you know jimmy down the road uh, oh it looks like his oh his church is really successful or oh, and there's this kind of judgment and comparison with each other and sometimes I think there isn't um, the 
the the real kind of brother and sister like encouragement that there should be. And so actually healthy healthy leadership is something that we definitely need more of. Wouldn't it be good if we could say the churches that are doing well could say to the churches that are struggling we bit we'll send we'll send over some of our congregation to just join you. Yeah. To help to help you in your area. Yeah. That's the that's the kind of work we're talking about by the way. Like we're when we're working in a city, we basically say if any church is not doing well, it's the responsibility of the whole church to help them do better. So if they need if they need resources, they need a team, they need a leader, they need people, they need money, like it's it belongs to the church big C in the city, not to your church but that has your name on it. That is like that must be such it must it must be something like you know just it's that bit of scripture where it says how good it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. In unity. It's, yes. it's like the oil flowing down Aaron's beard. Aaron's beard. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, and that's I what that's what we're I wrote a song about that because there's a friend of mine, he was a minister in the Church of Scotland, and he'd he was from the more liberal wing of the church, but I liked him. And he, he we, we got on well together. And he ended up having cancer. Mm. And I used to go and pray with him every Sunday, every Sunday evening after the service. And I told another minister friend I was going to pray with him. And he said, can I come too? And the two of us used to go over every Sunday and pray with this Christian brother. And he, he, I remember him one day. This is a wee bit irreverent, but in the in the in the in the thing, he said, he, he, "One day we prayed, and the Holy Spirit just came upon him, and he looked up at me. I'm frightened to say this word because maybe it will get bleeped out. <laughs> he looked up at me and he says, "I won't say it, but he says, what about the poor bees?'" Who have nobody to pray for them. Ah. Hmm. And you know, hmm. he had a huge remission from that illness for a number of years. And when he got back on his feet again, he started to pray for people and have a healing ministry. Hmm. Wow. Now, but so we wrote a song. I wrote a song called These Have Been Such Healing Nights, like hmm. Angels on the Run. We have shared as one the healing of the sun and the oil that flowed down Aaron's beard flows on to you and me. And as brothers, we dwell together in unity. Amen. It's beautiful. You know, I, and just that, that you just mm. pulled that story out of me there, Jeff, but I couldn't help share it because it is exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not beautiful. impossible. No, it's not. <laughs> little bit by little bit, we can do it. And okay. if you come to Scotland and if you can share some of that with, with the people who are at Refuel, I think that would be a wonderful message for us to hold on to. Do you know, actually, really as well, because I personally, um, as all the listeners know, you know, I'm a bit anti-establishment, but also I have been really pained by... Um, the process of like our um, mission planning within the church and the disunity and it's it's been a painful experience 
And do you know, I feel that there's actually, I actually think, you know, that there can be healing coming because just through this conversation, I know that actually I do need to be part of the process. I Hmm. do need to be encouraging my brothers and sisters in Christ. I do need to actually be part of the, the collective, the presbytery, the national church. I need to be part of that because we are all God's people together. And so, you know, that in itself is just, you know, and so this message then coming to Scotland, oh, I, I, it, is, it is what Scotland needs right now. Absolutely, it's what Scotland needs right now. But it's what the church mm. throughout the world needs, certainly in the Western world, is in yes. crisis. It's the church, what needs the church in America needs to hear at the moment, and the church in various parts of Europe, eh, you know, it's in crisis. And even, mm. even where we say, oh, the church is growing, it can also be growing out of division and growing yeah. at, at the expense of, 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 you know what I mean? You can actually grow something if you make someone else your enemy. And point them out as the enemy. Isn't that right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we saw a lot of that sadly happen in our country over the last few years where churches would grow, but it was only because people were leaving a church because that somehow that church got demonized and then they were leaving that church to go join another church. But it wasn't because we were loving the poor, proclaiming the good news, seeing the captive set free, healing ministries. It was because we were taking from others. And becoming competitors instead of brothers. Here's a question to ask you. What are the sacred cows we need to slay in order to enlarge the tent? Because, you know, in that passage, I think, I'm trying to remember where it is in Isaiah, where it says, you know, it's time to stretch out the tent and widen your cords. But the only way in that day and age you could do that would be to slay some of your sacred cows to get new skins. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, a it's a great image, actually, isn't it? <laughs> what are the sacred cows we need to be slaying? I think our denominations, actually. Not not like I think it's the fact that we're. I think we have to be open to be working um, closer with um, other Christians. Um, like in my wee community, we are actually trying to work with um, like in partnership with an independent church. Um, and we're doing quite a lot of stuff together, especially like mission within the community. And so I think wider within the church, I think more have you know we've got to be stepping outside, outside the doors that we know, you know, and and really. Um, getting out there and the other thing I think we need to get rid of is our buildings as well I know that's yeah. kind of controversial for people but we need to be um, out there you know I just think about whenever I was in Israel and I was looking at the we went to the, the where they had the Sermon on the Mount and it was so clear that you could see that actually people would be able to see everybody on this hill for miles you know, it was open. Um, you know, they'd have been able to look and go, oh, there's uh, there's the, oh, Johnny and James get up there, but they get up there for, oh, I want to see what's happening. And it was, everybody would be able to hear, everybody would be able to see, but everybody down below, it, it was eye-catching. 
And at the top of it, you know, they've got a, they've made a church, you know, with doors. And you're like, oh, can I go in there? Am I allowed? Oh, I don't know. And it's this way to make actually things accessible and for people to feel comfortable and that they will be seen, that they know what's happening, that they understand, and that, yeah, that there's a welcome. Hmm. Do you know, mm, I'm just yeah. thinking what you're saying there, Jeff, about in the city, but the city could be in the village or in the county or in the community, you know, in the community. Absolutely. It's not just in cities. But stretching out to meet with the person who is from a different denomination, if you're a church leader, maybe meet, meeting with someone for a coffee and just mm-hmm. find talking to them, just yeah. asking them about themselves and, you know, just trying to get to know one another. Trust, I think, this is the other thing I think, is a huge area in making all this happen is people need to trust one another. And if you're going to set up this network in the community, the community need to start trusting the church as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, one of the things that we did in the city that I live in is we, we took a, a weekend and we served the community, all, all the churches together, served the community, served the schools and, just did it side by side. You didn't do it with your church. You just did it with the people that you live near. So you could get to know them. You could realize we, we care about the same thing. We want to serve our, our community together. And then on Sunday, instead of us gathering in one building, we gathered in the center of the city at a big park. And we just had a, a combined worship gathering and different people spoke and men and women were leading different things. And you got to see this diversity of the kingdom of God as the church gathered in one place. And then we just said, hey, this is the church. The church isn't your building on Sunday. It's these people that live in the city. And some of you work in the same company. You work at Microsoft together. Your job is to be united together in that place for the glory of God and the good of that company and the, your fellow workers. So we just said, like, start to reach out, start to get to know. There's more people than you realize that you could partner with for the sake of others experiencing the love of Christ. And so that became not just a once a time, once a, a year event. That started to lead to uh, monthly uh, gatherings of people getting together in their workplaces, in their neighborhoods to say, like, can we just keep doing this together and stop divine, defining the, the church be in the walls? The church is in this place, this region. And the more that we could, so I'd say that's one of the sacred cows is you've got to stop thinking of church it limited in the walls or limited to the day or limited to an event or limited to a leader and said uh-huh. the church is the body of Christ in a place. So we'll often go into a city and say, how many churches are in the city? And somebody will, who's new will say, oh, there's a hundred or 150. It's like, no, there's only one. It's only one church in the city. <laughs> and, and that's how we got to start living. Absolutely. I think, yeah. I think another thing that you're going to, a sacred cow that you're going to have to die to is that, that you're, you're somehow the dollar in our case or, the, the the currency in your case whatever <laughs> i don't know the currency in scotland what is it called okay uh, we, we've that cannot be the reason we do this yes and we've got to be uh, willing to lose that yeah in order mm-hmm. to be faithful to jesus jesus called uh-huh. those kinds of people hired hands that the primary reason they're doing it is because it's a job where they get paid then they are actually a hired hand not mm-hmm. a shepherd who lays down their life for the sheep like jesus mm-hmm. did so we that's another sacred cow that we've got to get rid of this being a business. It's a spiritual family. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yes. the business models that so often are being used in church, we're, we're forgetting about how we lead the servant could model. But mm-hmm. you're just thinking about getting people to work together. I remember years ago, 
pastor saying to me, I'm not sure about coming into this joint mission with you. Because, see, when people people come, what church are they going to go to? They'll end up going to your church. And that wouldn't, that, that wouldn't be fair. You know? And it's, it's that idea that somehow I had some ulterior motive to try and get him to come in on something in order that I could, we would get more people to come to my church. And I think mm. that's what we need to get away from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a fear. It's is not mm-hmm. church. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a fear based mentality or scarcity based mentality instead of a, a kingdom mentality, which is mm-hmm. however they come to Jesus. That's how that's what we want. Yeah. However they get into community with each other, that's what we want. Who cares whose name is on it? Mm-hmm. You, we, thing- we said this before we started the thing is we got to die to our ego and our logo. Because our ego is Jesus and our logo is the kingdom of God, not our own, not our pastor or our building or our denomination or our church's name. Yeah, yeah. but that's what's wrong, I think, because that I think the, the the institution I think has um, partnered, you know, with this spirit of fear and this spirit of lack, um, and and that yep. and it's it's running rampant, you know, and like it's. Um, and and it is, but the thing is, is like I really feel, and I've been feeling that really strongly, um, you know, the past wee while, um, God is really wanting to, you know, because God is really shaking things, but He is wanting something completely fresh, you know, to come mm-hmm. and just to sweep through through it all. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, I think God. Has humble is humbling and has humbled the Church of Scotland. Oh yes, I think we're mm-hmm. humble. But yes. you know what I think happened also during COVID, people started to go online. Yeah, and they started to go to other churches. Yes, and churches that that they weren't supposed to be going to. <laughs> and they listened in, and they said, "You know, that's quite good." And people were telling us that they're not very good, but I listened to them and they were quite and they were nice and they were friendly, you know. And all of a sudden, people are getting a different view of the kingdom of God and of the of the church. And I think there's a humility now amongst many people mm-hmm. that some of these divisions, I think some of these uh, these walls will come down and are yeah. coming down. Mm-hmm. I think God's going to make them come down if we like it or not. You know, and it's how we react that is actually going to that's going to be telling on what happens next. And this is where we do need to like the other week I had been at a um I had been at a course, you know, so as that I can lead young people and um and like being able to have like a growth mindset. Um like but it's based it was like it's based on um it's Christian um foundations. Um, and it's to help with our spiritual and mental well-being. And this is what we're, we we really have to switch our mindsets within the church because we have got into these habits because that is what they are. You know, we're, we're being part of cultures that actually have evolved over hundreds of years that are maybe not the healthiest, you know, <laughs> and they are so far away from what, Jesus intended and what the early church was built on. Yeah. Yeah. 
So listen, Jeff, I want to give you the last word tonight. So what's the message? To, what's the message that the Lord has laid in your heart to bring to Scotland? Or, or, uh, what, what, what is this key message that people are going to be hearing from you? Well, we've said, talked about it a little bit, but it's it, it, that, the idea that God wants his people to be united in love for the sake of his fame and glory so that every single person gets to meet Jesus in everyday life. And what that requires is not only a willingness to, to love each other and be united in the spirit, but also to realize that every single person is going to be a part of how he's going to bring about his plan in your country, that there is no unimportant person in the kingdom of God, that everybody is equally important and everyone's going to need to step into the space that the spirit's prepared for them and invite the spirit to empower them to live a life that's going to look so radically different than what the world looks like. And so my hope is that people will capture a vision for a unified church in Scotland and see a vision for every single man, woman, and child being actively empowered and sent by the Spirit so that everybody in Scotland is going to get to meet Jesus every day. Wow. Well, listen, I, I hope that if you're listening into the, the podcast today, that you'll have been inspired and encouraged. And you might just say to yourself, I might go up to refuel and just try that out. Even if you go up for a day, I believe you can get a day ticket or you can yeah. go in for, and, and, and I also believe it's free. It's free this year. That is something amazing. It's free. Wow. A bit like the gospel. It's free. Yes. But it has uh. consequences. I must say that there may be freedom, but there is consequences to the gospel. So mm. there is a, a cost but it's a different kind yeah. of cost from what we would normally do. Mm. So listen, guys, thank you for coming on. Jeff, thank you for being with us, for sharing this. And thank you, Laura, for being with us today. Uh, and again, thank you to Ray behind the scenes there, just bringing it all together in, for our technical podcast. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. And I hope that you'll continue to listen into The Late Show and uh, be with us as we continue to be a wee bit irreverent, a wee bit hilarious with one another sometimes, but above all, that we might be tuned into the Spirit of God, that we might be living epistles where yes. the fullness of God is seen in the way we live and the way we talk and that people can meet Jesus through us. So thank you again for listening and until next month, God bless and have a great month. <laughs>